Today we continue through our series of the challenges facing families today based on what families say the challenges are. And we come to our fourth topic and that's communication. And we're going from the bottom up so these are becoming bigger issues um, based on what families are saying. And I thought it would be good to begin today by asking you to get, grade your family on communication. We had the A, B, C, D, F. You can do pluses and minuses, an A plus or a, I guess, F minus. Um, what, what grade would you give your families? Um, whatever your family might look like, if the kids are at home, if there are kids, uh, if you're single, what that, your extended family. We all have families of some shape or size. What, what grade would you give your family? I won't ask you to yell those out. That might create a little tension for folks in the pew beside you. But it's interesting to think about. As I said, our list of ten issues, uh, the lack of communication is number seven. Um, it is something that affects families. What, what I find so interesting is that we're saying that today despite the multiplication of technology that should allow us to communicate more and better. I mean, think about that. Uh, zoom back 50 years and come up to today and all that we've added as far as ways to help us communicate. We now not only have phones, but we have cell phones, we have text messaging, we have instant messaging, emails, MySpace, webcams, video video messages, video calls, electronic signs, greeting cards that talk to you, and I just saw an ad, you can even record a custom message in your greeting card now. And we have all of that, and yet families are saying, we're not communicating. Well, how can that be? Well, I think partially to understand why this issue is so prevalent and so big is we have to step back for a second and think about what is communication. And I don't want to go into this long lecture, but I think to understand the problem, we have to think about this for a minute. I think too often we see communication as just a message. And if I sort of shoot you a message in whatever format that message might be, then we walk away and say, that's communication. I've done it. It has happened. And yet the truth is, that's not communication. We know that. In fact, if all I'm doing is sending out this message, and nobody's hearing it, nobody's getting it, instead of calling that communication in all honesty, I would say it's noise. And we've all been in situations like that. Dad or mom is going on and on, sending out messages, and nobody's listening especially the kids or the spouse. And all we've got going on is noise. Because communication is not happening. And in, uh, all too often what's happened is that we, our, our technology has just multiplied the way we shoot out messages. It's multiplied the noise hasn't necessarily multiplied the communication. I talk to some of you through your line of work. You tell me you get 300 emails a day. 
I put that in the category of noise. A lot of noise, but not necessarily a lot of communication. Because communication is more than a message. I'm very proud of my artwork. If you'd like me to autograph it later in the notes, I'll do that for you. Um, this is a diagram that's been around for a long time. You, you've, I'm sure, seen it. But real communication involves not just the speaker, the sender, who's sending that message out, but it has to include the listener. And, and we've learned the hard way that that message is much more than just the words that I say. It's the tone of voice, it's the body language, it's the context in which I speak it, it's the context you're in and what's going on in your life. All of that's part of the message. All that affects how you hear it and take it in. And then a huge part of communication is all that coming back. That feedback, your reaction, what you might say. If you say nothing, that's a message. All of that is a part of that communication process. And if all of that happens, and that cycle goes around several times, then, yeah, we've got communication happening. But less than that, we don't. We just have noise. And I think it's for that reason that families are saying, we've got a problem with communication today. It's that which we're missing. We have lots of messages we're shooting out, or we're leaving on post-it notes, or we're IMing, or in, uh, all those kinds of technologies. But it doesn't mean communication is happening. Probably all of us have learned that oftentimes it isn't happening and it causes a problem. How many here have sent an email thinking, I took care of that, and communication didn't happen, and a problem occurred? Or we sent a text message, or we left a note and the note didn't get there, or it got lost, and communication didn't happen. Now, I think a part of why we're looking at this issue today is that the first three issues we've looked at in the previous Sundays are all also impacting communication. We looked at all of our stuff. And as we have more and more stuff in our lives and in our families and, and we're busy with our stuff, that's affecting communication, isn't it? Because we're, we're fractured with all of our stuff. Caring for it, playing with it, using it, replacing it, all of that. Not just the stuff, it's our busyness. And we, we looked at all we're packing into our lives. Well, that's affecting communication because we're not together. We're so busy or we don't have time to communicate. And then last week we looked at the media and all the media flooding into our lives. But taking in media is not communicating. It's just taking in media. And so for all of this, we have less communication today. We need to understand the importance of communication first. It's not just something we ought to be doing. It's the lifeblood of relationship. And families are all about relationship. At their core, that's what family is about. Relationships. That we are not alone. We are in a setting of people around us who we have relationship with, who love us and we love them. 
we laugh together, we cry together. We talk together. We get feedback from each other. It's just endless all that happens around us that makes family, family. And yet without communication, it's not family. It's not relationship. So communication is the lifeblood of relationship. We need to understand that. And relationships are living things. No different than a plant, an, an animal, a human. And through neglect, relationships can die. Through the lack of lifeblood. Through the lack of communication. A healthy family depends on communication. So we're on the same team. We express our care to each other. We understand each other. All of that flows out of communication. I would go so far as to say I don't think it's possible to effectively parent without communication. I don't know how to effectively be a good spouse without communication. Yes, we can be in those roles I can be a spouse, I can be a parent, I can be a, a young person in the family, and I can not communicate, but I won't be in those roles effectively. Communication is critical. There's one other thing I need to talk about for a second, and that is what I've labeled the unseen danger in communication. And what I'm talking about there is that really... There is not an absence of communication. That's not our problem. Now, I realized as I was writing the sermon notes, it's like, Jim, you're going to come across, you're saying opposites here. So bear with me for just a second. We've said there's a problem with our communication, and that's true. And on the one hand, we've said there's not enough of it, but maybe what I should have said, there's not enough good communication. Because you see, the truth is, we're always communicating. If we have a fight and I say nothing, am I communicating? You bet I am. In fact, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs by saying nothing. We're always communicating. And that's the hidden danger in communication. You see, too often what's happening in relationships, in families, is that we're communicating exactly what we don't want to communicate. By our actions. Maybe it's by our absence. By our not saying anything. By our tuning the family out and, and checking out. I am still communicating. I'm communicating the very thing that I don't want to communicate. Instead, what I'm saying is, you don't matter to me. I don't care about what you think. I'm only concerned about my world. You're not worth enough for my attention or my time. Now, none of us would ever be guilty of saying those things out loud. But all too often, our actions and behaviors and what we're not saying is still communicating those very things. And that's the hidden danger in communication. You don't get a vote on whether or not you communicate. I guess I should say that again. You don't get to vote on whether or not you communicate. The only vote you get is on what you communicate. And that's what I want us to think about. What do we want to communicate? And what are we doing to make sure we are communicating 
what we want to say, what we want to communicate to those people around us, whether it's family or friends, what do we want to communicate? So what do we do to do that? What do we do to make sure that we're communicating the right things? We can't run away. We can't abdicate, although some try to do that. The good news is I don't think we have to. This isn't a battle we need to lose. And, and to get a handle on this, I want to read the last chapter in the Bible. We're going to read the whole chapter. Don't panic. And we're going to focus on the last verse. And it had never hit me till preparing for this sermon what God picked as the last verse in the Old Testament. I said Bible, sorry. Old Testament. So all you got to do is go to Matthew and turn back one page. Malachi 4. And I first want to read all but the last verse and sort of set the stage. And I think this is very fascinating of how God chooses to wind down the Old Testament. And God knew he was going into a period of 300, 400 years of silence, and then Jesus would come. And this is how he ends the Old Testament. So God is speaking through the prophet Malachi. So this is God saying this. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. So it, it, you're going to see here a, d a description of God's judgment, a day of judgment coming. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name. So there is a terrible day coming, but not all of us have to face it. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. It can be a day of healing. And, and for some, you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day when I, God, do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. Now how do we make sure we avoid the, the painful day of judgment and are a part of the day of righteousness and reward? Well, that's how God ends the Old Testament. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord's comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. I like how the New International, there's a today's New International that's come out. He doesn't let the moms off. And I want to use it, because I don't think God ever intended for the moms to get off the hook in that last verse. Today's New International says, Elijah comes and he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. That's a pretty true prophecy, isn't it? As I was focusing on that, in, when Jesus reads a prophecy in his home synagogue in Nazareth, he says, this day this prophecy is being fulfilled. It struck me that I could say that same thing up there. Go read the newspaper today. 
the last verse of the Old Testament is being fulfilled. When the hearts of the parents are not turned to the children, and when the hearts of the children are not turned to the parents, that land will be struck with a curse. How does that not happen, or how does this happen? Communication. When parents and children are communicating, and when children and parents are communicating, and that love that they have for each other is being expressed, their hearts are turned towards each other. And when we are so busy or so disjointed or so separated that our hearts are not turned towards each other, the land will be struck with a curse. And we're seeing the fruit of that today. I, I don't know how to avoid that conclusion. But it doesn't have to be that way. If we will turn our hearts towards each other in our families by communicating with each other. For that Malachi verse to be fulfilled, we need to make communication a priority in our homes. We need to drive a stake in the ground and say we are going to be a place where communication happens. We are going to be a family that communicates. And remember that diagram. That does not mean we are going to be a family where one person produces a lot of noise. We are going to be a family where people talk and people listen. And that we build that in and say that will be an expectation in our home, in our family. That is not negotiable. It's not up for a vote. That's going to be who we are. To do that, we will talk and we will listen. We will be a family that stakes out time so we can communicate. In the craziness of our world, we will build some walls. We can't check out of this crazy world, but we can build some walls to say there will be time for us to communicate. We're going to learn to listen. We're going to learn to listen. There's an old story told of Socrates, and Socrates was a famous orator. And this young man came up to him and was just going on and on why he wanted Socrates to train him to be this, an order, a, a great order like Socrates. And he had 42 reasons why Socrates should do this, and he just kept going on and on and on. And finally, Socrates said, stop. I'll do it, but you have to pay double the fee. And the young man said, well, why? Socrates said, well, the first fee is to teach you to shut up and listen. Then I will teach you to talk. Good communication will only happen in our homes when we learn to listen. I wanted to play a video clip, and I watched a couple movies this week looking for a scene of families trying to communicate in chaos. I didn't find just the right clip, or it had some language I wasn't going to play in church. So, But one of the movies I was watching was Yours, Mine, and Ours. Two families sort of melded together. And Rene Rousseau, who's the mom, did I say that right? Who's the mom? in the one family, has this stupid talking stick. And, and she's this artistic person who's so far out there, she's just off the map. And, and her family of ten is just chaos. And they're blended into a military family, which is the opposite of chaos, so that's the fun of the movie. But in this movie, uh, Rene Rousseau's family, who's coming in, has a talking stick. And 
it's just hilarious, only because the military family all just roll their eyes, a talking stick. And, and it's sort of hokey looking and all of that, but I thought, you know, there's some families who need a talking stick. Because the whole, the whole thing, I need to explain that if you haven't seen the movie, in her family is they, they sit in a circle and everybody gets the whole, and if you're holding the talking stick, everybody else has got to shut up. And, and in 10, you know, 11, 10 kids and one adult, that's a lot of talking. So they, they have this talking stick and they hold it up and say, wait a minute, one person, everybody else listens. And I thought, you know, m- maybe there's more families that need a talking stick. So we learn to listen to each other. And that we say that's going to be a priority. Sharing what's going inside and saying in our family that will be normal. That we let people know what's going on inside. We don't hide that in our family. We talk about it. You see, all of this says in this family we're not going to let anybody check out. We're not going to let anybody run away and say I'm not going to be a part of that. No, in this family we're going to talk. And listen. Let me throw out just some practical suggestions that I think can help us increase our communication in our homes. The first suggestion I want to make to you is turn off some technology. I I watch families today and young kids and the amount of technology and how it hurts communication. Turn off the TV when you eat a meal. If you take nothing else home, assuming you're not eating by yourself, I guess I need to clarify that. But if you're eating together, turn off the TV. Talk. Take the headphones off. Limit the video games. While we're together. I I would have given my left arm as a kid to have a DVD player in my van. I didn't in my station wagon, I guess I should have said when I was a kid. And yet as a parent, I just, I'm saddened to see the multiplication of DVD players in cars. We were fortunate to raise our kids before that was an option. And we had one of those old brown conversion vans. Oh gosh. But I cannot tell you the memories our kids have of talking together, playing games, the alphabet game, looking for signs. But while all of that was going on, we were talking. And we were talking about what we saw. you got to turn off some technology. It's there, and a movie on a day trip is great. But limit it. Have some balance so there's time to talk. Schedule some time together. And there's going to be one coming. What fits you? What fits somebody else may not be the same. But schedule some time together. Whether it's one meal a day we eat together, or we always go out for pancakes on Saturday morning, or whatever that might be, you have to build it in your schedule. Write it on the calendar. Save it. Protect it. Preserve it. Whether it's Sunday dinner, whether it's um, mom or dad taking one of the kids out at a time, do something so you make it happen. That directly flows into the next one. Plan for communication. Plan some time together. It's a vacation, a family day, a Friday night meal, a Saturday breakfast. 
I've seen families do all of those, and it works, but you have to plan for it, and then you have to protect it. Use opportunities. All kinds of things just happen in life. They have to happen. You can't avoid it, but use it as an opportunity to communicate. If you've got to go to Home Depot, take somebody with you and talk in the car. Just do stuff, regular stuff of life together. Rake leaves together. My wife will tell you one of her best communication times with our son was driving him to swim practice. They did the two-a-day kind of practices, so 5.30 in the morning she was off to swim practice till he could drive. But she could find out more in that car driving to high school and picking him up than any of the rest of us ever learned but it was just driving to practice or picking him up from practice. Stuff that had to happen anyway, but it could be time to communicate. Use that time. I think one of the greatest challenges on this list will be for us as adults to model good communication. Because some of us are not naturally communicators. Some of our personalities, we, we sort of are quiet. We sort of keep it in. And I'm not saying you're ever going to be a person that just talks incessantly. That's not going to happen. But we do need to accept the challenge that if we want the rest of our family to communicate, we've got to do it too. We've got to push ourselves to let people in. We've got to push ourselves to let people know what's going on or what we're thinking. All of that kind of stuff, we've got to model it too. We've got a model that it's a priority for us, and we show our kids how. And not only in our sharing, but in our listening. I suspect, now I don't know this, but I suspect if we could get the kids and the youth of this church up here and say, what's the biggest barrier to communication happening in our homes? I suspect they would say their number one barrier is that mom and dad don't listen. Now, I understand that sometimes what that really means is mom and dad don't do what I want them to do. Mom and dad don't agree with me. But I also suspect too often there's some truth in what they're saying. And what they're really saying is mom and dad are so busy preaching to me of what I should do, they never listen to my point of view. And I think that's a challenge that we have to accept as the adults. Are we going that second mile? So whether I do what my kids want or not, they do walk away saying, Dad understood me. Dad understood my point of view. He listened to me. Because that listening communicates so much of I value you. You matter to me. Your point of view matters to me. I am interested in what you think and what you feel and why you're upset and why you don't want to go on vacation with the family. I, I want to hear that. Whether I will agree with you or not, we need to model that listening. As much as we do, how to open up and say, here's what's going on inside me. That's so important. And then that also models for our kids to listen to us. Two more points. One is persevere. There's nothing I can tell you today to make this easy. If there was, I'd publish it and retire today. 
because I could sell a gazillion books. It's not easy. You have to persevere. But you have to persevere. And, 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 and sometimes that means you're not going to win a popularity contest. We've talked about that earlier in this sermon series. I see parents who say, I just want my kids to like me, which means I want to do whatever my kids want. I don't believe you can be a good parent and a candidate for popularity award among your kids. Because sometimes you have to be the parent and persevere and say, no, we are going to talk. We are going to go on a vacation together. We are going to limit how much DVD we watch in the van. We are going to have an hour when we take off our headphones. I'm sorry you don't like that, but I want us to be a family that talks. And for that to happen, we have to do these things. That's what I mean by persevering. And saying, we have driven a stake in the ground. We will communicate in this family. And if that means we have a family meeting once a week. I, you know, oh gosh, we did that. Oh my gosh. The eye rolls, the head, oh. I mean, I might as well announce to our three kids we were all going to cut off their left arms. Line up. Here's the axe. We're going to have a family meeting. Oh, you would think we just killed them. But you know what? We kept doing it. We kept turning off the TV at dinner time. And we had to persevere on that. We lost the popularity vote every night at supper time when we turned off the TV. In fact, the votes were unanimous against us. But we turned off the TV. That's what I mean by persevere. It's saying, no, we're going to be a family that talks. And so we'll do those things that we know are right. Because down the road, you see, that's the vote I want you to get. I, I don't care if you get the vote when they're 12 and 8 and 16. I want you to get the vote when they're 25 and they're 35. And they say, we grew up in a home where people talked. And so now we talk today. And my husband and my wife and I talk, and we're teaching our kids to talk. And it's harder than I thought. That's the vote I want you to win. And that means sometimes you lose the vote when they're 12 and they're 8. But you persevere. And you find what works for you. I'm always, I'm always leery of sharing personal stories because what worked for one family may not work for another. You be creative with your family, your job times, your demands, your lifestyle. Be creative. You don't need to do what Jim and Peggy did. You need to do what works for you. Give yourself that freedom. You may not do what your mom and dad did or the home you grew up in did. That's okay. But do what works for you. I want to leave you a challenge. And that is that we talk. In our families, in our relationships, with our friends, we make it a priority that we talk. We've all heard the excuses, but I need to, but I want to. Reasons why we won't be together and talk. But you know what? I'm convinced if you scratch deep enough, 
every single person says, I do want to be a part of a healthy family where people love each other and where we are together and we enjoy being together. And that happens when we communicate. And when we communicate, we will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. And then at least our homes will escape the curse that is upon the land because we've turned our family's hearts to each other. And we do that by talking. Let's pray. Father, help us. This is a challenge. It's not easy. And in some ways, it's getting harder as we're busier and we more have so much more stuff and so much more noise. I ask you to open our eyes to see what really matters and that it's not noise. It's sharing and listening and understanding each other. I pray that you would open each person's eyes today to what would work for them. That you would prick their hearts and give them some ideas and give them some urges to go in this direction so that they can be part of families, relationships, friendships, where communication happens. Father, you promised in Malachi that we could spare this. Help us turn our hearts toward one another so that there is not a curse in our land. In your son's name, amen.